You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to the HD Branch podcast. The weekly companion to your printed copy of HD Branch where I, your host Karishma Kunzang from Team Branch, give you a behind the scenes of what you'll be reading on Sunday. There'll be interviews with the biggest Bollywood celebrities talking about things that matter to them. You'll also get to know a little more about the columns by Veer Sangli and Seema Goswami from the columnists themselves. Why should you listen to it? Well, it's one of India's top Sunday magazines. It has the best editors, columnists and opinion leaders bringing you what's happening around town. Listen on for an additional dose of brunch. This series is available on hdsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Hey guys, how's it going? When was the last time you bought a dress or top that was budget friendly and exactly what you wanted? Or thought you wanted till 2 months later you suddenly found mysterious holes or the print faded? I was once convinced that I had gained weight only to realize that all the clothes I'd bought the previous winter had shrunk. <laughs> But that's what fast fashion is about, quantity over quality. Its environmental impact is something we've all had to think about during the pandemic, which is something last week's In Bed with Star stylist Purnia Kureshi points out. Here's more from her on fashion, finding her calling and her love for dancing in a chat with brunch team member Shruti Nair. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the HD Branch podcast. I'm Shruti Nair and today I'm joined with my guest Purnia Kureshi, who's a stylist and fashion entrepreneur. She rose to fame with her work for the Sonam Kapoor starer Aisha and since then she's been the voice of fashion in a lot of ways. Having worked as an editorial intern for several leading magazines in India and New York, she says quote unquote, she paid her dues well. Well, she's our star for the in-bed column this Sunday in the magazine and today we are going to talk about the column fashion and of course a lot more. Welcome Purnia. Hi Shruti, thank you for having me. You told me that you were uh, you were studying criminal justice and then you turned to fashion edits. How did the entire transition happen? Well, um when I went to college, I was pre-law. So when I was doing my undergraduate degree and um so pre-law means um you prepare yourself in your bachelor's degree to then go to law school afterwards for your masters. Right. And um hence I studied criminal justice as a major and I did English literature as a minor because I was told that in law school you have to write a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of papers. So you should get in the practice of reading and writing a lot. So I did English literature so that I would get into that practice. Um I also pursued a a minor in dance in college because I would I have always been a dancer. Yeah. And um yeah, so that was the degree that I was um pursuing and like my first holiday, summer holiday in college, I came back to Delhi and I wanted to do an internship because I didn't want to be idle. I was taking my dance classes, but I that wasn't filling my whole day right so i um started an internship with cosmo india as an editorial intern that was my first internship for any like publication 
um, which was lifestyle or fashion. And I think I just loved it there. I think um, it was a short internship, but I got a lot of work to do. And I think, you know, when you just fit in somewhere really well, I got that feeling and I felt like this is maybe a career that I should go for rather than law because it was coming like much easier to me. And I was, I think I was doing a lot better. Yeah. And I think that's when I decided that maybe I will be switching careers, but I pursued, I, I finished my degree in criminal justice anyway. Um, just in case I changed my mind again. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Uh, you actually started training from the age of four and then you uh, also switched uh, dance forms and you took up Kuchipudi much later. So, uh, and you continue to mesmerize us with your dance covers on Instagram, which I stopped quite a few of. So so tell me, how do you balance this, uh, balance the fashion and dance bit and you know, both are creative, both take a lot out of you. So how do you maintain that balance? Because I don't feel like they take a lot out of me. I feel like they give me a lot. And I feel like, you know, I don't, um, a lot of people ask me that, how do you do both? And I guess not many people have like parallel careers and passions and in multiple things, but I really enjoy that. And I really, um, I love spending a certain amount of time on one thing, which is like dance and then switching over to my fashion work. Mm-hmm. I think they both complement each other in the way that they keep my mind really fresh and um, they help me from feeling very stagnant, you know, because I don't have to do one thing 24 seven. So I can take a break. I can go do some of my fashion work. And then when I really need a break and I need to like sweat it out and feel really good, then I dance and then that clears my mind and I get 20 more ideas for like work in terms of my fashion business. So I think for me, they really complement each other. In today's age and time, we have seen that pop-ups have become a pretty usual affair and it's, it's there everywhere. But when you started out, it was a very nascent thing in India, especially and you were one of the initial entrepreneurs to, you know, house multiple designers under one roof. Uh, what gave you that idea? And how do you know that you wanted to invest in something of that sort? Like, how did that idea strike you? I mean, that idea just struck me because um, I wanted to start my own business. Right. And I couldn't really see um, any place or anyone in India who was selling um, luxury online Mm -hmm. you know so I just felt like there's a gap in the market and if I want to start my own own business it should be something that um that's something that's not already there there were not enough brands in the market Mm -hmm. that were selling sustainable organic clothing that were beautiful I felt like a lot of the brands in India that claim to be organic and sustainable either were not 100% organic and sustainable. They were just saying they were, but they were, if you really research them, they weren't. Mm -hmm. And the ones that were a lot of them, and I cannot speak for all of them, but a lot of them were just not attractive. Like the clothing was not, didn't feel modern. It didn't feel stylish. And I just felt like, again, there was a gap in the market for a beautiful, organic, sustainable line, which is also stylish, which is also designer, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that's a really good space to enter. And then more than that, I think the most important reason why I started Good Organics was because I 
wanted to do something better. I wanted to, I think as I'm growing older, I'm, beco- I'm becoming more conscious of my environment and the world I live in. And I want to do better. It's not just about doing good business, but it's about doing um, business that has a heart, like business that's going to be good for our future. You know, um, tomorrow I want to make this, I mean, make my contribution to fashion. It should be for the better, you know, of, of the next, like for the next generation and for the future. So I, I felt like um, I should not engage anymore in wasteful fashion because honestly, like the fashion industry is one of the number one pollutants in the world, like as an industry, you know, and there's so much wastage of like uh, clothing and, and, and materials, especially in fast fashion, you know, because they make things with really low uh, quality and um, they don't last. You, you put them in a wash two times and then they're, they're destroyed and you have to throw them, you know? So um, that's not a culture that I want to be a part of at all anymore. I don't want to encourage it. I don't want to support it. So I think I thought I should start making changes in my personal life and also in my professional life, you know, because that's not who I want to be now in the future. And with good, um, all the fabric that we, that we use is certified. Um, so, you know, I don't want to be one of those brands that's, that's like just claiming that we are organic. We, we are, and we have certification. Um, we use fabrics from the environment. So we use a lot of um, hemp and we use a lot of aloe vera fabric, mm-hmm. rose fabric. It's the perfect fabric in the perfect outfits. These are the perfect outfits to chill at home in yeah. and to lounge in and to work from home in, you know, because they are as comfortable as any pajama or kaftan could ever be. Right. Um, but they still look like rich and stylish and they're still like, um, there's still something you can wear even like on a Zoom meeting, you know? Yeah. Um, so they're very versatile. So thank you so much for joining us today, Panya. It's been a wonderful and rather insightful chat with you and uh, hope to see more of your uh, designs coming out and a lot more performances on Instagram. Absolutely. So (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks a ton. It was really fun. I'm always happy to talk about um, the work we do. And yeah, we'll chat again soon. When things had just started opening up, a lot of home kitchens and delivery services were everyone's go-to. But now, even the big names have gotten innovative and are catering to foodies through delivery services. While many of us think that Chinese food is the easiest takeaway or delivery option, think again. Because what we consume here in India is actually Chindian. Authentic Chinese food is difficult to transport and should be consumed fresh off the stove, which is where DIY kits are coming in handy. Till COVID's around, delivery services may remain many foodies go to. Thank God then that Big Chill is finally delivering. Here's what HT Brunch columnist Veer Sangvi has to say about big names bringing signature dishes to your doorstep. You know, I've written a lot about home chefs and small operations. So I thought today I'd write about two big names that are doing something different. You've heard of Chini, perhaps. It's a Chinese restaurant, a very successful Chinese restaurant in Delhi NCR. It was opened in collaboration with Mr. Kai, which is a very famous Michelin-starred London Chinese restaurant. Now, Chini's food is good. 
But what they've tried to do now is delivery. That sounds easy, but it's not. Because real Chinese food is very difficult to deliver. The moment you take it out of the wok, it starts deteriorating. Junk Chinese, you know, Hakka noodles and prawns and garlic sauce, that's okay, that you can deliver. But the real stuff is incredibly difficult. But much to my surprise, Genie is doing delivery and the food is very good. The second big name is Ritu Dalmia, who I'm sure you've heard of. You may or may not be able to go to Ritu's Diva or her Italian Cultural Center Cafe or her other restaurants, but she's had a bright idea. She's bringing Diva home to you. For instance, she's doing things like pizza dough. We got her pizza dough at home. My wife made her pizzas. They were incredible. Well, not as good as Ritu's, I concede, but pretty, pretty good. You could actually pass them off as something you'd got from outside. There's more, there's pasta, there's bread. But interesting, I think, that in this new climate, big names are doing delivery or they're going one step before delivery. They're sending you ingredients so you can make the best food for yourselves, yourself at home. I remember the first few weeks of the lockdown when I suddenly found myself talking more than ever to my best friend Andrea since she moved to Canada a few years ago. Both our sleep cycles were screwed up but in sync and we ended up playing a lot of Ludo. It was like a craze that spread among the group and there was even a WhatsApp group where many participated enthusiastically day and night. Stuck at home, I turned to the people I found comfort in and of course someone who was accessible in terms of timelines. Now, as the lockdown eases, I find myself making plans with the one friend in Bandra who I know isn't meeting a lot of people. It isn't a long drive for either of us, if we make sure to avoid traffic of course. Well, here's what HD Brunch columnist Rehana Munir has to say about how the lockdown may have tweaked our friend circles. There's this popular 70s song by Stephen Stills which goes, If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. And I've been thinking about this song not so much in the context of romantic relationships as much as uh, in the sense of uh, our social interactions during the pandemic. Uh, You know, a lot of us in big cities have always prided ourselves over the fact that we don't know what's going on in the lives of our next-door neighbours. And uh, I think we can all agree to bid that feeling goodbye for now because uh, it seems like we're in long-distance relationships with people who are just a few kilometers away, you know, who are our, in inverted commas, our real friends. And now we've had to resort to our accessible friends or the people that form our uh, social bubble uh, or should I say our COVID bubble. Uh, By necessity, we've had to redraw our social boundaries and Geography has never been as important as it is right now. Of course, we do have our social media lives, but I've always thought that objects on social media are farther than they appear. Um, We really are in need of genuine human and uh, physical human contact uh, as much as that's allowed these days. Um, Also, the parameters for judging, you know, the lives of others have changed so dramatically where we used to look up at people who are well-travelled. We're now in silent admiration of those who have just hunkered down and aren't even stepping out of their doors. Uh, So this week's column looks at this uh, strange new phenomenon of uh, making friendships and associations with those who are uh, geographically very close to us. 
uh, it's uh, it's throwing up some interesting combinations and uh, teaching us a little bit about ourselves too i think i hope you have a good time reading it bye bye If last week is any proof then covers are definitely in admit it even you croon to lucky ali's rendition of o sanam that he made his reels debut with well a couple of months ago my editor jamal sheik mentioned a brilliant cover he'd come across by cherry a teen from jaipur when i looked her up i spent half an hour just listening to her perfect yet raw renditions and what goes perfectly well with her voice is the nostalgic song zara zara from the 2001 movie rehna hai tere dil mein hope you enjoy her version of the song i sure did hi this is zara zara by bombay jayshri zara zara mehkta hai behkta hai aaj tu mera tan badal प्यासी हूँ मुझे भर ले अपनी बाहों में है मेरी कसम तुझको सनम दूर कहीं ना जा ये दूरी कहती है पास मेरे यू ही बरस बरस काली घटावर से The weekend is when you take a break from a hectic week, whether it's work from home or work from work. It's also a day to develop perspective on things by not just consuming news, but also analyzing it by listening to different points of views and figuring out what you feel about it. We hope we've been able to do just that with today's HD Brunch podcast. Feel free to give us feedback and suggestions on HD Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or DM us directly at HD Brunch on Instagram and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. 
I will see you back here next weekend with another dose of entertainment that keeps things real. Till then, happy brunching, guys. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.